Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Miller and Condon on a Wednesday. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. Just after 10 o'clock, Trent Condon, myself, Ken Miller, underway on a Wednesday. A lot of ground to cover today, a lot of football, a lot of baseball uh, sprinkled in on the program, at least to start, I'm assuming. Uh, Here's the BMW of Des Moines guest list. It looks like this today on Wednesdays throughout the college football season. Uh, Wednesdays at 1025. We're joined from our by our friend Stephen M. Simple from the Lincoln Journal Star. That game is, as of right now, is still to go. Nebraska hosting Wisconsin. Uh, there was a report yesterday afternoon from Jeff Patrikas, who is as tuned in uh, on Wisconsin sports, football, and basketball as anyone, in my opinion, uh, in the state of Wisconsin. Tweeted out that uh, game is in jeopardy. Standby for, and I'm paraphrasing, developing situations. It sounded like at the time that the game was in peril. It still may well be, but to this point, uh, all systems are go. So we'll get the latest from SIP in 20 minutes on that. We'll look forward to the game, look back uh, at Nebraska and Ohio State as they uh, lifted the curtain, at least on the Saturday of Big Ten football on Fox last uh, last Saturday. So Stephen M. Sipple up first, then Bill Bender will join us. He covers college football on a national basis for the Sporting News. It's Wednesday. That means Cappy is here, sponsored by Centurion Stone of Iowa. We'll talk about the Bears and the fallout after the Monday night loss to the Rams. Cappy at 11 and then Vinny Iyer on the NFL and on Northwestern Iowa as Vinny, in addition to being a three-time Jeopardy champion, is a Northwestern grad. He's very pumped up about his cats, so we'll do Cats Hawks for a couple of minutes during our conversation with Vinny Iyer on the NFL. Kevin Cash catches a huge, huge break here today. He might be the happiest guy in America that Justin Turner tested positive <laughs> after the game. Game because instead of focusing on the where the focus should be placed, Justin Turner seems to be uh, the talk of baseball here today. I'm going to sound very hypocritical because during this pandemic, I have been, I believe in the science. Mm-hmm. I've made that very clear that I believe that this is absolutely legit. Having said that, I get why he was on the field. It's the freaking World Series. I know that um, that he was putting some his manager in danger, uh, it's potentially in danger. But how do you celebrate by yourself? <laughs> I mean, if he would have been, uh, this, the positive would have been discovered prior to the game, and he would have been in quarantine at that point and not allowed to play in the game at all, and would have been back at the hotel. Absolutely get it. But boy, how do you just stop a guy from coming back with his guys and a major, major part of this roster too? I know there's going to be a ton of fallout from people that have this opinion. It's hypocritical on my part. I understand that. But how do you stop them? How do you stop them? Physically do it. I guess you'd have to. And that's, I'm sure, what it would have come down to. And there was no one that was willing to do that. Right. I mean, a security guard, do you want to put yourself in in that situation, that role? What is that going to turn into? It's, It's a difficult spot for everybody. The blame, I know people are pointing the finger at Manfred. They're pointing it at the Dodgers organization as a whole, goes to one guy, Justin Turner. Yeah. And we've had a lot of conversations about personal choice. And throughout this pandemic, people wanting to be able to make 
their personal choice. Justin Turner made that choice. Mm-hmm. His teammates, they accepted him. They did. That's exactly right, Trent. There was nobody that was pushing him away. They knew what was going on. At least you would hope they knew mm-hmm. what was going on. When well, he was when pulled. he's not at his third base, when he's pulled right. out in the middle of the game, and there's no injury, I mean, you got to ask what what's going on here. Are, are you so locked in that just maybe made a decision? I, yeah. I know it maybe would seem like a silly one on the surface, if, but you're just out doing your thing, right? But if he'd have been replaced a defensive replacement in games throughout the season, mm-hmm. then maybe. Well, okay, here we right. go again. It's late in the game, and Turner's coming out because he's a liability at third base. That's not the case. It wasn't the case. So. You do wonder about that avenue here, but it comes down to Justin Turner. And he's the one, if there's an outbreak that happens, it comes back to him. Mm-hmm. He is the one that made this yep. choice. And I get it. I, I, I've i never won a championship before. Nothing at that level, even at a high school level. Never won a championship before, but I remember winning big games and the excitement that comes along with it. And then to be taken off, you're feeling fine. Yeah. You come out there in the mask, and you know so much is being shown of him pulling the, the, the mask down. The photo for the photo yep. as he's sitting there on the field. How long was the mask down? Well, that's just it. Seconds. Trent, I turned the game off as soon as it was over, as I said yesterday. Right? I, I'm not into the uh, the celebrations. Yeah. So I still had Fox on. Yeah. And they cut to the studio, and right away the breaking news. Mm-hmm. I said, "Oh, here we go. Right. Buckle up, because this is going to be an interesting next hour, hour and a half." And, and I stayed with it. Both watching the coverage there, flipping but again, over MLB Kevin Network. Cash is the story of yesterday. It is. And for what we do, it should be. It but this is going to is. completely change the conversation, right. this championship. Yep. First World Series in 22, 32 years for one of the elite organizations mm-hmm. in baseball. In sports. And it took 32 years to get it done. Yeah. So many close calls, on and on and on. And we're not talking about the no. awful, idiotic, yes. moronic decision I'm with you. by Cash and pulling Snell. This is what the conversation is. Trent, I've said this many times. Uh, analytics, somehow, my generation and generations before me fell in love with the game of baseball without knowing a launch angle. We had no idea the miles per hour when the ball left the bat. We were able to get through and, and develop a love for the game. Right? We were. Mm-hmm. I've never been into analytics. I've still, to this day, I'm not into analytics. I get it that it's my generation. But baseball has turned this analytics thing up to a level, Trent, that it's just hurting the game of baseball. Blake Snell faced 18 batters, struck out nine of them, including the three at the top of the order. They were combined 0 for 6. All of them were Ks. And yet, numbers say, third time through an order, you got to pull him out. I get that he's not a guy that's gone nine innings before, Trent, he had as good a stuff last night as he's ever had. Yeah. And I'm not saying I'm a Blake Snell, you know, aficionado. I don't know his entire career. But look what he was doing last night in 74 pitches. He was almost unhittable. And you knew it was coming. I mean, Nick Anderson, during the regular season, he was lights out. During the playoffs, that's not the case. Not at all. He gave up a run in six consecutive appearances. Seven after last night. Seven after last night. But that's the guy you're turning to in this spot. He goes with glass now for, what was it, 112? 112. 112 pitches. He sticks with that guy, and this guy is dealing. And this is the part you get in the analytic conversation, because I'm not completely, and I'm not a guy that is crunching every number and saying, oh, you're wrong, and... This goes back to the conversation we had Sunday Night Football with the Vikings and the Seahawks. Yes, analytics say that was the right play. That Mm -hmm. was the right call. But analytics 
do they also factor in that Russell Wilson's on the other sideline? No. Same it's a thing computer. Here. Do analytics say this is game six of the World Series? It's an elimination game. Game is on the line. Season is on mm-hmm. the line. Does the computer have that? Is that part of the lo- logistics that you put in there and the algorithm? No, it's not. Sometimes you have to let your eyeballs dictate you your do. decision. And I think a perfect example of that is Dave Roberts. Dave Roberts three years ago, four years ago, when he was early on completely married to the numbers, mm-hmm. he doesn't let Urias finish that out. Yeah, good point. And he probably goes to his he? closer because that's what you do. Yeah, I tried, I thought Urias might get some MVP consideration. He yeah. was that good. I mean, he, he, he really was. Good, was. Yeah. I mean, they gave it to the right guy, mm-hmm. Aaron, um, uh, Rosarina, maybe. You know, could yeah. have been in, in the a losing effort. Yeah, and I looked at it. It was 1960. Bobby Richardson was Bobby the Richardson. only player from a losing team uh, to be named the most valuable player. The Yankees beat the Pirates, and the rather other way around. Pirates beat the Yankees in 1960. But um, I know the numbers. I know the numbers for both in general, third time around for any pitcher. But this isn't any pitcher. This it's, is a guy that's won an MVP. This is a guy. Not only that, that was dealing. It's not the guy that we saw in 2019. This is a guy for this year in this moment. And like you said, 0 for 6, 6 strikeouts right. from the top three batters the first time they said They went to Mookie Betts right after the game, and he said, eh, we're happy. Trent, you we're could have gone to anybody cool. in that dugout and say, who would you rather face, any pitcher on this Tampa Bay or Blake Snell? Right. Everybody was, I don't care who you put it in there, just get him out of there. They couldn't hit him. They couldn't hit him for the most part. There was two hits. The second one, five and a third. Got him out of the baseball game, and you saw his reaction, and the and the country saw his reaction. Right, if you're watching the game, you saw the reaction uh, to Blake Snell being pulled. He was not pleased. Cash has done that. Uh, that's that's his mo. But man, oh man, it's just not the same. I mean, the shift is another thing, right? <laughs> I grew up watching baseball without the shift. I know I sound like, you know, get off my lawn, old man guy, but boy, oh boy, the analytics to me, they're spoiling it. I'm glad I didn't spend any amount of time whatsoever acquainting myself with what the hell these people are talking about. Blake Snell, first time through the order, ERA 2.26. Second time through, 3.54. Third time to 4.97. So the numbers say yes, uh-huh. that was the right decision. But it's game six of the World Series. Game six of the World Series. You bring in a guy... That had given up six runs straight. Right. Six straight appearances, and he made it seven last night. And there wasn't any hard-hit balls? No. Yeah, maybe one was a, you know, a little bit of a shot, but for the most part, neither of the hits was a hard hit. Uh, there was no Adam balls that I can think of. He looked um, so much better than game two. Game yes. two, He game walked two, four guys. Game two, you came in. Boy, he was good. And I, said, I wouldn't call it a great appearance. Yeah, he had a no-hitter into, into the fifth, right, mm-hmm. in that game, but... He was walking, Throughout. guys. It was just, he was effectively wild yeah. in that game. Not this one. If you're on hold, stay there, by the way. We'll get to you in a second. It, it was a different guy that I saw, even comparison, as good as he was in game two. This was elite. And yeah. to make that decision in this spot, your bullpen has been seen. It's game six. They have seen these guys. Mm-hmm. If it was game one or game two, different conversation as well. Fair point. But it's game six. They've seen these guys. First, second, third yeah. time through. Yes, we know the still numbers. I just spit them out. But... Again, circumstance has to play a role here, and it didn't last night. And and, and again, Anderson, uh, his his postseason had not gone well. It had not gone well. Regular season, one thing. Postseason, not the same pitcher as he was during the 60 games that preceded that. All right, so more baseball conversation coming up. I thought for the most part the um, the 60-game sprint, it was fun. It really and truly was. It was as, a, as a fan of the game, 
the 60 game, and thankfully it came back and we were, you know, able to enjoy the game of baseball that we love. Um, I did. I think Trent did. I think most of you did. It was different. Yep. You know, it's going to be weird to, when we do get back to 162 games, it's going to seem like the marathon, uh, that it is. But this year, it was terrific. Now, how did, you know, here's, here's my question pursuant to Turner as much as anything. How the hell did, um, now they're in a bubble. You know, the NBA worked. The NHL worked. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, that basketball thing that Priscilla uh, does in the summertime. Uh, the three the, on three. Or no, or no, they, no the, the basketball they, tournament. The tournament, right. It worked inside the bubble. This is the first bubble that failed. At but it wasn't it a true bubble. These guys had Their more latitude. families came in. Yes. And they had more latitude of things that they could do mm-hmm. compared to... They were on lockdown. They were in lockdown in Orlando. Yep. They were not... When they were in Canada for the two sites in the NHL, mm-hmm. this was bubble-ish, a different type. And do you just go and get coffee? Yeah, you just. It could just be something as simple Did as his that. wife bring it in, right? You know, we we don't know, but it, it's there. And you know where where baseball does catch a huge break, in my opinion. What would have happened today? Yeah, you know, if there was maybe another, one. it would have been a mess. You know, you're, you're postponing it. You're, 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 you, if there would have been a today, it would have been a game seven. So game seven's going to get pushed off till when? Well, if an outbreak happens and you're talking about five, Ugh. six, eight, ten guys, two weeks. Yeah. To play a game seven. I know. Uh, Todd's up first, then Jeff. Todd, welcome to the program. Glad, uh, glad, uh, thank you for being patient. Glad you did. How are you? Good. Thanks for taking my call. Appreciate it. Fire uh, away. I just want to play devil's advocate. Um, you know, if they leave him in and he and they still lose, the narrative today is, oh, my God, you've yeah. done it this way all year long. Yeah. Why would you change now? Uh-huh. So, you know, it's, it's easy to point that out. But, you know, talking about the analytics and things like that, part of the reason why America loves baseball is because you always have that gut feeling. Managers yeah. are supposed to kind of feel the rhythm of the game and i think that the analytics take that part mm-hmm. out which is sad and i wish it would come back um a little bit stronger and just you know old school right. you know managers chewing and spitting and and, <laughs> and, and going with their gut yeah. and then one third one third thing i'd like to add well can uh, i just stop you for a second though how old do how old a guy are you todd if you don't mind me asking 48 okay yep fire, uh-huh. fire away is the third thing i was just curious Okay, and this is this is kind of at you guys a little bit. Take it how you guys want to take it. You know, with the celebration and the COVID, remember that this is your show. This is your platform. Yeah. It doesn't have to take over all the other items that were awesome about, mm-hmm. you know, the world. Totally Series. agree with yes. you. Totally agree. And I and we had to talk about it, as you understand. But I think my opening statement was the luckiest guy in the, in the country right today is Kevin Cash, because that should be where the focus is, right or wrong. Uh, that's where the focus should be. So, Todd, I appreciate you listening. I appreciate you calling and hope you do again. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Uh, Jeff is up next. Jeff, welcome. How are you? Hey, guys. Uh, real quick on the Justin Turner thing. Just my opinion. We all have different opinions. I get that. But for a guy who played sports and who coaches sports, um, not at that level by any means, but all the hard work that Justin Turner's put in in his career where none of us know how hard he's fought. And for him to make it pull the mask down in a picture who his coach beat cancer, right. believe it or not, yep. and they're sitting by each other smiling, enjoying a championship that they haven't won in 30-some years since 1988. Um, 
you know, I, I think it's, you know, I, I still like the media stuff way out of proportion, and I like to kind of make a comparison. And it's not the same, but it's kind of in that avenue of, I would say, Magic Johnson uh, getting AIDS and nobody wanting to play with yeah, Magic Johnson. I remember that time. Deal. The dream team comes on, and, you know, finally the big names blurred, you know, uh, Michael Jordan says, you know what, we're going to play with this guy. And nothing happened. And they're going to take a picture, and it's going to stand for, for lifetimes and lifetimes. And he didn't want to wear a mask. And that was his choice. And I don't think it's that big of a deal. But I'd like to kind of hear what you guys think, and uh, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. Look, I agree with a lot of the points you made. Uh, I, I'm right there with you. Yeah. I, it's for that picture. It's, it's the World Series. Yeah. It's, the, the thing that was more cringeworthy to me, because I also saw the video, if you just get the still shot of that picture, mm-hmm. him sitting there on the ground right next to Roberts, yeah, that's a little cringeworthy. Is more cringeworthy him giving a kiss to his wife? <laughs> Did you see that one? I, oh, I saw the picture this yeah, morning. Yeah, and, and that alive. one left me, ooh. Yeah. I, like, like, I get it. We're still talking right. about young people here. The chances of, of this turning into you know some kind of major problem is very, very low, mm-hmm. but... That was the one where, oh boy, it's one thing to take off your mask for a few seconds to take a picture. It's another to be kissing your wife. Yeah, you know what? If, if, if I hope he didn't kiss his mom. Yeah, you know, I'm right. Yeah, yeah. Grandma, if she yeah. was there, right? But anyways, it's it's hypocritical on both. I think of our parts because we both do feel that um, you know, this is absolutely real. I mean, look at the numbers for crying out loud. Stand by for news. That's a new sounder. What have you got? We uh, have breaking news coming from the Big Ten. Nebraska is shutting down its football program, all team-related activities, for at least seven days due to an elevated number of COVID-19 cases within the Badgers program. Game against Wisconsin Saturday will not be played. So Wisconsin shutting down, not Nebraska shutting down, Wisconsin is shutting down, correct? Correct. I thought you said Nebraska, my bad. So Wisconsin shutting down... Yeah, not surprised. Well, I don't think we'll get Sip in five minutes. I'm guessing he'll be on this story. <laughs> Hopefully we do. Yeah. Um, Even if it's for a few minutes, it would be great to get his perspective. And, yeah. and just leading up to what it's been, because you mentioned Petroikis yesterday, yeah. and you saw that, and you said, all right, this thing is trending this direction. No Nebraska. Wisconsin this weekend. Now, Wisconsin at minimum. We'll be down to seven games in the regular right. season. So I found a better. Remember yesterday, we, it was Heather Dinich's mm-hmm. article yep. on ESPN, and I read it, and I read it to our audience, and I think they were as confused as I was after I, I still I read don't it. get it. I found no the article, and I read through it more a dozen times. right? Yeah. Uh, this one's a little, there's a little bit more clarity, and I want to find the exact section. I wish I, sh- I should have done this. Um um, 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 um. But this is about qualifying for the championship right. game, and you have to play six games. To have qualify. to play six is the number. Yes, because okay. the way that and we were kind of on both sides. You said, "Is it five? Is it six? And I read it as at least five. But you said you got six here. Well, here's the paragraph. Okay, a team must play at, le- at least six games to be considered for participation in the championship game. However. If the average number of conference games played by all teams falls below six, with the average rounded up or down, i.e. to point five or six and a half or five and a half or greater, uh, then teams must play no less than two fewer conference games than the average of the number that all other conference games teams play uh, to be considered. So it's still six. Uh, if there's they, a bunch of cancellations that's though, just the throughout thing. the course of the season, right. that number will drop. As it is mm-hmm. right now, there's 56 games scheduled before the season began. Eight weeks, seven games each week in the Big Ten. 56 games. 
So if we get, what would it have to be, down to basically seven canceled games, that number then would drop, mm-hmm. and you'd have to and play Wisconsin a minimum of five. And Wisconsin would be back by then. Right, and you'd have to play a minimum of five. And right. if you have even more cancellations, you'd have to get down then to 42 games, 14 games canceled in order to get that. Does that make sense? I, 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 I'm following me. I think it does make I, – I think it does – uh, I'm impressed by your uh, math there on the fly. So this kind of also, at the same time, look, Nebraska was not going to play for a Big Ten West championship, no, no. right? But it, it's going to maybe penalize teams that were on the team that's that has the outbreak schedule if there's mm-hmm. enough of them. You know what? I, I don't know who um, was uh, Wisconsin. Who are they supposed to? Um, Purdue's, Purdue's next, yeah, yeah. and then yeah. Michigan. By the way, it sounds like Mertz can be back for Michigan because he tested positive on Friday, so the three weeks would be on Friday. He's allowed to – it's 14-day quarantine. The seven days is to get back up to speed for, uh, for soft tissue injuries, mm-hmm. conditioning, et cetera, et cetera. And also the heart test. And the heart test. Uh, myocarditis, right? Yes. Um yeah, it's, it's it's fascinating well, in 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 a morbid kind of way yeah. as to how this is going to unfold. Look, they um, didn't give themselves any wiggle room whatsoever. Nope. None. And this was the issue, and we talked about this when the decision to come back ultimately happened. So here's an idea: that December the ninth. Uh, when's the when's the everybody gets together? That yeah, wouldn't work. The nineteenth, but yeah, that's the championship game that's, also. That's the championship game also, right? So it's not like they could they could make this the game and manipulate because that's kind of a I don't know. I mean, you know what I mean? Seven versus seven, six versus six. How about this? The Titans just played three games in thirteen days. Do you throw a Wednesday game in there? I mean, like the old high school football schedule. Trent, I get it. But Wednesday, get, Monday, Friday. They're amateurs, they're students. So are high school kids. They're not pros. Um, it's finals at that time, would it not be? Yeah, unless you do it as soon as they're back. You do it during November. Look, I want to come up with a solution, too. Mm-hmm. More football is good for us. Right. And this is and a if we're matchup. talking about a Wednesday night Big Ten matchup, in. Yes. yes. Indeed, in. Uh, we'll take a break. We'll try to get Stephen M. Sippel. Uh, I, I kind of doubt that we will with, with the news that just broke, so, but we'll try. Uh, he's scheduled to join us next from the Lincoln Journal Star. Prior to doing that, it's time for another $1,000 handoff. Text the keyword family uh, right now to 200-200. It's your chance to win $1,000. Family to 200-200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. All right, coming up on 1025 Miller and Condon till noon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 104.0. Of football. I mean, I have a radio show. We have callers. I pay attention to my Twitter notifications and all that. There's definitely some frustration. We talk corn huskers, and you never know what else is going to come up. With 30 years on the Nebraska beat, here's Stephen M. Sipple. As long as they're paying me to talk, I'm just going to keep doing it.
All right, welcome back. 1030 Miller & Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KX and 0106.3 FM. We're catching Stephen M. Sipple, Lincoln Journal star in his car, so he's going to give us, well, all the time that we need, and we're grateful for that, Sip. Trent and Ken, uh, thank you for coming on. Uh, you know, we'll, let, we'll get to the Ohio State game because I'm anxious to pick your brain in a couple of uh, minutes on that. Uh, Jeff Patrikas tweeted out yesterday afternoon that, you know, that there might be potentially some news coming. Now we know that there's, what, Trent, did you say 12 to 13? 12, yeah. Six staff members and six football players. Including Paul Chris, the head coach. Sip, when did it uh, start becoming, uh, looking like that the uh, game would be canceled? Did you guys have any advance notice prior to this morning? Oh, yeah. I mean, yesterday. Yesterday, uh, I, I can't remember exactly when yesterday, but fairly early yesterday. Uh, in part because, I mean, I don't mind being transparent. I'm, I've known Jeff Patrikas for a long time. Um, so, uh, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he, he was on this story early on. So yeah, we had an inkling it was coming. By this morning, you know, when I got up this morning and really, when I got up this morning and I read what the situation was in the state of Wisconsin right. with COVID, yep. um, because of, the, like, for instance, the mayor, Evers, saying we're in an urgent crisis right now, my first thought was there's no way this game's going to get played. So then... Then I didn't know the extent to which COVID had spread on the team until just a little bit ago, until you probably found out. And then when I heard, you know, then it all makes sense. I don't think this is controversial. It seems pretty cut and dry. I mean, the head coach has it. Um, I don't think it would make sense. It, with, in the, with the backdrop of what's going on in the state of Wisconsin, coupled with the confirmed cases in the program, it seems like a no-brainer. It's absolutely wild, and of course, no wiggle room now, as uh, the Big Ten has scheduled the eight consecutive weeks without a buy in there. The initial schedule that came out, well, I guess the second schedule that came out, did have all those bye weeks built in here. For Wisconsin, for Nebraska, it's certainly going to be a jolt here, and you know, with Mertz being out, this felt like, from what we saw, at least in moments against Ohio State, that maybe this was going to be a winnable game for Nebraska. Before this started to really get real, we knew Mertz was going to be out. Sip, did people, did you start to believe, and hey, maybe the Huskers can get this done on Saturday? Well, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I mean, I watched Wisconsin. You know, you got to be careful here with, you know, talking about this from a Nebraska standpoint because they've lost seven in a row to Wisconsin. So you don't want to, you know, you don't want to come off all blustery and chest puffy confident. But I thought it's really an you, you know, this is the beauty of talk radio. These conversations are sort of complex. Wisconsin won forty-five to seven. They beat a Big Ten team forty-five to seven. But I thought they looked underwhelming at the skill position. Mm-hmm. Right. They don't have the sort of firepower that that they've had in recent years. And, I mean, I thought Illinois just looked at F. I, I don't know what they were doing defensively half the time. It didn't look very good. It looked like their quarterback taking a step back. I thought Illinois just looked bad. So the answer to your question is, yeah, I think that uh, the way some people frame it up here is, 
Wisconsin was going to be down to its four-string quarterback. Nebraska kind of finally caught a break. They haven't had a lot of breaks in recent years. And here, here's their, they were catching one. And you could say, oh, yeah, catching a break down to the fourth-string quarterback. Hey, man, it happens in football. Nobody was crying to Nebraska when they started Andrew Bunch, or they had Andrew Bunch. Yeah, it started Andrew Bunch against Troy. Or were down to Riker Fife when you when Nebraska came to Iowa in 2015 or 16, whatever year that was, where or Tommy played name. with a, a a hamstring hanging off of his leg. I mean, nobody nobody says anything when that's happening. So, yeah, no, I, I looked at it like, and the other part of that conversation is Paul Chris. You know what his, you know what his uh, posture was going to be. We're going to go to Lincoln. And we're going to stick it to Nebraska with our four-string quarterback. <laughs> yep. mm-hmm. So I, I, I just feel as a, you know, a sports writer, a sports fan, I mean, it's, I just, it's just unfortunate that the game's not going to be played. But, but, listen, it is what it is, man. I mean, it's not, it wouldn't have been appropriate to play the game. No, no doubt about it. Well, let's look back, Sip, to a game that was played. It's crazy to think. I'm not saying it was the, the, it's, it's the turning point in the football game, but it seemed to open the floodgates, a pre-snap penalty. When the game was close, right? Nebraska then would go three and out after that, and then seemingly the route was on. But um, I want to talk about the quarterbacks, who both of them, Martinez and McCaffrey, did some damage on the ground. Uh, they they uh, certainly uh, outgained the rest of the running backs uh, appreciably in the football game, both threw the ball relatively well, um, does one of the quarterbacks come out of the Ohio State game looking like, yeah, he deserves to be the guy to play, whether that be the incumbent Martinez, or did McCaffrey do enough that maybe people are thinking, maybe we started the wrong dude? No, I don't think no, I, that conversation's not being had here. Uh, Adrian was, what was he, 13 for 15 um, for 105? You know, they didn't throw it downfield, but that's, I mean, that's not a quarterback issue. They have, they have, they just don't have much explosiveness. That's, that's just it. Yep. No, no, that's no. What I think the conversation here is, boy, that worked really well, and and those two guys are really close. There's a, it's a very amicable relationship. Um, at this point in the process, I'll call it a process. Luke McCaffrey is deferential and very respectful, and has great admiration for Adrian Martinez. So. They have a good situation there. I don't. I mean, I'm not going to be the one that tries to inject it with controversy because I don't think it's there. Um, they they feel good about what Adrian did. Um, they feel good about the way they're using McCaffrey. I think that that's the way they're just going to keep it keep rolling. I mean, if Adrian would fall off naturally, they feel like they have a guy who's on Adrian's level just doesn't have the experience. So that conversation's not going away. It's not going away, but listen, Adrian played well. There's no, there's nobody clamoring for McCaffrey that I know of. Sip, uh, jumping into the defense, it was better, even in a game where they gave up 50 plus points again. Thought that front seven looked good. Honus maybe played his best game in a Cornhusker uniform. He was all over the field. Improvements on that side of the football. You go up against Ohio State. They are just such a behemoth there. They're going to score 50 against basically everybody they see this year, I have a feeling. But when uh, you look at the defense, improvements that you saw there, and my second part of that, 
Just how good? You've seen a lot of great teams. How good is that Ohio State team? Uh, first part is, yeah, they, Nebraska held in there really well. I mean, it's in terms of not getting blown off the ball. You know, they didn't, they didn't get, they, were, they really weren't getting blown off the ball. The defensive line hung in there really well. You're right. The, the linebackers, particularly Honus, particularly Honus, I think Colin played pretty well. Chenander, Eric, the defensive coordinator, said Colin Miller, the other inside linebacker, played his best game as a Husker. So, um, yeah, I thought the linebackers played well. Coverage was soft, and a lot of people are sort of that, that sort of bewildering how soft the coverage was at times. Um, pass rush wasn't great. They got three sacks, which is misleading because, well, I mean, Fields was 20 for 21, so he wasn't exactly under heavy duress. Um, but, yeah, I was better. I don't want to go overboard on that conversation, though. It's a 35-point loss, yeah. all right? I mean, if, if Nebraska's got to drop their standards that far, then what are we doing here? <laughs> That's a great point. Uh, uh, yeah, Go ahead, Sip. I'm sorry. But, but yeah, Ohio State. Now, I, I, my read on Ohio State's a little different than other people as well in that I, I don't think they belong in the conversation right now with Clemson and Alabama. Well, they can't run the football, defense. Sip. Uh, they're, yeah, their running backs look pretty ordinary yep. to me, and and their defense is good. But I mean, there's no Chase Young over there. Uh, they and there's no Malik Harrison, and I don't know that there's a Jeffrey Okuda right now. So I, I, I think they're they're right behind. Uh, they're right behind uh, those two teams. Yeah. I think they fit right. Yeah, I'm with you. I think it's those two on top. And then, look, Fields impressed me. 21 out of 22. The one was a, I mean, the, the receiver caught the ball. It was a great play by the defender in the end zone. Looked like a touchdown, and uh, it was knocked out of his hands. That was his only incompletion. So, Sip, let's end it on this. Uh, the end of the uh, the press conference following the game, Ryan Day, there was a late score uh, in the football game. Um I didn't like the apology. I'm not sure it was necessary uh, that that it came up. Uh, and then the the apology that did come out kind of was uh, a little jumbled from for my liking. I thought he didn't need to do it in the first place. How did it go over uh, in Lincoln and in the state of Nebraska, the Ryan Day apology? I haven't heard of much. It's not a big conversation here. Um, I'm not sure why Day would even raise the issue because I don't think it was going to be an issue. It wasn't an issue in my mind, except, in fact, I was there. You know, I was covering the game, yeah. and it never even occurred to me that he did something wrong. Right now, I'm that way with those situations. I've always been that way, where if you're if the clock's going and the game's on, then the defense it's incumbent on the defense to stop the offense, and it doesn't matter to me really what the situation is. Um, you know, within reason. Okay, and I thought this was within reason. So I don't know why. And then his explanation was terrible. That he yeah. didn't have the right personnel right. on the field. Like, just take a knee. I mean, it's not, it doesn't have to be that. Well, I know there's, it's a little more complicated. But, no, Frost, Frost was completely nonplussed. Like, yeah, I don't He goes, if, if we want the score to be better, 
then we have to play better. That's what that was his response. Yeah, I, I was. I mean, I, I'm with you for the most part, Sip. But I, I thought uh, you know there was a game BYU, a fake punt up 49 to 16 with five minutes left in the football game. I thought that well, might. Well, that's have... not really within reason. Yeah, even then, though, Kenny, I'm really my stance on that's pretty hardcore. If you're playing, you're playing. Mm-hmm. If the game's on, I'm not too worried. Like, I mean, unfortunately, I was on a. Columbus basketball team back in the day when I was a kid, <laughs> high school kid, where, you know, there was a team that was beating us bad and they let up, and it was the most awful feeling ever. Like, you know, you could tell they let up, and it was, I don't know, it's sort of degrading to the kids that are on the other end of it. So if the other team just stops competing hard. So I just say if the clock's going, just play. Play the damn game. I mean, Keep coming. I don't – the sportsmanship thing, you could make a case that the sportsmanship there's, – there's a lack of sportsmanship in letting up. That's what I would Sip, we will talk to you uh, next week before the Northwestern game. Uh, the Hawks will have seen Northwestern this past weekend. So the good news is for you, Sip, you can sit around and watch football all Saturday instead of covering a game. I know you'd much rather be covering a game, and we would much rather be watching Nebraska and Wisconsin than you having the uh, the weekend off. Thank you, Sip. We'll talk to you in a week. Appreciate what you do for us. Yeah. All right, I know I have a little crazy opinion on that thing, but whatever, I'll talk to you later. Good to talk to you. <laughs> Stephen M. Siffle, Lincoln Journal star. All right, more college football conversation next. Bill Bender from the Sporting News will join Trent and I. Uh, as we take you up until noon, Cappy in 20 minutes from Chicago. If you're a Chicago sports fan, Cappy joins us every Wednesday at 11.05. He's brought to us by Centurion Stone of Iowa, Justin Luch, Joe Farron, and the entire crew at Centurion Stone of Iowa sponsor Cappy. He's at 11.05. Miller and Condon are with you until noon. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Bourbon Whiskey. Hi, Miller and Condon. Welcome back to Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. Bill Bender, it's college football season. That means Bill joins us every Wednesday. We're grateful for him, to him for doing that for us. Uh, let's get him in here. Bill, Trent, and Ken, thanks for coming on. Obviously, the big story that's reverberating throughout the Big Ten country where you live, is, obviously, as we do as well, uh, is the cancellation just to the west of us here of the game uh, that was scheduled to take place in Lincoln. Uh, Wisconsin, 12 positives, including Chris. We know the quarterback, Mertz, maybe his backup as well. Uh, no wiggle room, Bill. It was a um, uh, not um, going to be a problem. We hoped it wouldn't be, but they uh, the way uh, the Big Ten put their schedule together, uh, that was kind of hoping a prayer, and it hasn't worked out as we've had a cancellation here in work week two. Your thoughts? And now it's just a matter of what the Big Ten's response is. You know, if it's a seven day pause, you got to figure. I don't think Wisconsin will play next week either. You can't prepare for a football game in forty eight hours. Yeah, two days. I mean, if exactly. you do, yeah. you're going. Without your quarterbacks, I mean, they're not going to be able to play that game. So it's a two-game hole in the schedule. I'm looking at the COVID numbers in the United States, and in the last seven days, five of the top ten highest states are Big Ten states, Mm -hmm. including the one I live in, Mm -hmm. in Ohio, including Michigan, including Indiana. And It's sobering. It's really tough, and, and you just hope that they're able to pull this off. It's scary to think about what this season is going to turn, and with it, how this season's going to be viewed. You think to the NBA, the Lakers win it, 
But some people say, eh, well, is it a real championship? Same thing with the Dodgers here as they win the World Series last night. If it ultimately is, say, a Purdue that gets to the championship game for the first time, and but they do it with a 4-1 and one type of record. And so many asterisks, caveats, all those different things. How big of a deal is that to you, Bill? When we look back upon this, is this going to feel like a real true college football season? I hope so. I mean, it still does. It feels like watching football feels, I mean, the bad part about it, Trent, is like Saturday was awesome. Saturday felt awesome watching Wisconsin, watching, you know, Friday night, watching that Indiana-Penn State thriller, watching Michigan, you know, and Ohio State and and Iowa and everything else. But now it's like I I don't know if we can even think about the games right now because you're wondering what's the Big Ten response going to be? How do you – pull off a legitimate season when a team that was probably going to win the West, if we're being honest, mm-hmm. isn't going to play for two weeks? It's a great question. Yeah, Gray Mertz certainly looked the part on uh, on Friday night, and we shall see. Well, let's get into what we hope is going to happen this weekend in games on the field. Bill, there's one game that just sticks out to me like a sore thumb. That just The wrong team's favored, in my opinion. I don't get it. Um, but usually, I mean, the bookmakers and the line makers are, are usually proven right in these things. How in the world are, is K-State getting points against the Mountaineers? That game, to me, uh, K-State's having, I don't know how they're doing it, but they're doing it. West Virginia is as pedestrian as any mid, middle-of-the-pack team in the Big 12. How is K-State not favored in this game? Yeah, you know, I, I wonder... I wondered the same thing because when I did my picks, I was like, well, there's an easy upset. Um, and because West Virginia, they've made some improvements under Neil Brown, but I don't know if their quarterback's dynamic enough to win. So this could be one of those, do the bookmakers know something? We don't. And I hate those games because when I think it's so obvious, those are the ones that obviously get wrong. So yeah, yeah but K-State's having an impressive season. Uh, they've done a great job since that season opening loss against Arkansas State. Chris Kleeman's done a fantastic job with the quarterback, their running game, and I don't know how the Wildcats lose that one. I guess we'll find out. Yeah, just a, a weird number, and I like to sniff those out the other way that Ken does and, and go the <laughs> other direction when something doesn't make sense. It's very which, profitable for you. Yes, absolutely. Well, Penn State uh, <sighs> it will not be a wideout. It is going to feel maybe as different as any college football game that we've seen this season, just because there'll be eight, nine, maybe a thousand people in the stands compared to the 110,000 we normally get for this one. Your thoughts on the game and the environment, Penn State, Ohio State? You know, uh, it, a little bit of a damper based on what Penn State had happen last week and a thriller. I mean, that was the other thing. I mean, who who wasn't excited about Big Ten football after watching Indiana Penn State, yeah. other than Penn State fans, maybe, but. You know, they've been a victim of some things that are both directly and indirectly related to COVID. Mike Carson's opting out. Journey Brown had a season-ending injury. They lose Noah Kane. Mm-hmm. And not having a whiteout is a huge factor um, because that makes that so, so much of a tougher place to play. And Ohio State just looked like the, the well-oiled machine that I thought they might look like. So it's going to be tough for Penn State to win that game. They're going to have to play flawless. They're going to have to find that emotion. Uh, that they normally play with when they're in front of 100,000. And 
I mean, Sean Clifford's going to have to be lights out for them to have a chance in that game. I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, let's do uh, Texas and Oklahoma State. Texas is are they are they starting to put it together? Bill watched Oklahoma State last week. Uh, hang on to beat Iowa State. It was a three point game in the end. Oklahoma State's got a pass rush. They got a really good defense. Sanders is the difference maker when he's in there. It's a different Cowboys team when he's under center or in the shotgun. In his case, uh, any chance Texas can pick off uh, the Cowboys? And send them to their first loss? Uh, maybe. If they can turn it into a little bit of a shootout and have some success against that pass rush, they won that game last year. Uh, Texas is kind of off the radar a little bit since they lost a couple games, and that's when teams become dangerous because they, I think they play a little more loose. But Oklahoma State's been impressive. I mean, you look at their – they have a top-10 defense, mm-hmm. top-10 scoring defense, which is – I don't remember that ever – saying those words about Oklahoma State in my life. So, I mean, if that continues and, and they move the ball with Chuba Hubbard, they're going to take another step toward the, having the driver's seat in the Big 12. It's uh, a wild race there. Clemson, the foregone big favorite in uh, the in the ACC. But Notre Dame still sits there undefeated. Yeah, they bounced back. They did. Pitt, maybe a Pitt team that's given up this year. But Notre Dame, offensively, it doesn't feel like they have enough to keep up with the upper echelon, but as you look forward to them and what we've seen out of the Irish, your thoughts as uh, we look to no- November in that matchup, Clemson making their way to Notre Dame. You know, Notre Dame from week to week, they look average one week and yep. then they look like a playoff contender the next. And, you know, they've, they've got to develop that consistency on both sides to have a chance against Clemson. Um, I think this week it's about keeping that focus on Georgia Tech and getting that win having Ian Book make big plays. They've got good pieces on that offense in the running game at tight end. And then defensively, I thought they I think they've been solid in spots, but they've got to be able to put together four quick court four really good quarters and next week, and I'm sure we'll talk about it more next week when we when we get together. I mean, against Notre Dame it has to be out of or against Clemson it has to be out of this world and again, they won't have those fans. Right. You know, so one of the things in our lifetime, Notre Dame's played number 1 like three or four times in Notre Dame. You know, Florida State '93, Catholics versus convicts, mm. the Bush push game, and and part of that was feeding off the emotion of the fans, and that's going to be tough to duplicate with Clemson coming in there. Mm. You going to that game by chance next week? I'm still not traveling, so uh, yeah, okay. we we just got too many hurdles to clear with that, which is another tough part. But you know, sometimes you get to sit on the couch and watch, and and that's been a good thing. And again, that's. This football season, in so many ways, there's been a lot of changes and a lot of things we've had to adjust to. No, no doubt. Michigan State, Michigan, a game that, you know, uh, most years it's going to bring some eyeballs to television sets. This year, I, I fear for Michigan State, this is going to be an ugly football game. I want to get your take more so on away from the game, but on the quarterback. It seems to me, watching Joe Milton, that Harbaugh's finally got his guy. Minnesota's defense didn't put up much of a fight, but but man, Milton, he's a big kid. He can run the ball. I think he can chuck it a mile. I think Harbaugh's finally found his QB. I'm anxious to get your take. Um, best quarterback he's had since he's been there, and I and that's one game. And I, I don't. And the reason I say that is he's the best quarterback at pushing the ball down the field that they've had. And because he's tall and he can get the ball down the field, and there's going to be ups and downs with him. And Honestly, I think this game is going to be a little closer than people think. Do you? Okay. Just because of the rivalry nature of it, and Michigan State's not going to turn the ball over seven times again, and their defense is a little bit better than than they showed, or, well, maybe they are, but totally impressed with Michigan and, and the diversity of their offense. They've got playmakers everywhere. They maybe don't have a standout, 
But the way they took it to Minnesota, I mean, again, for all the criticisms we lobbed at Harbaugh, you got to give them credit when they do something like that. That was an impressive win. No doubt. All right, here's the last thing. Get you out of here on this. With Clemson, Alabama, I think Ohio State, most people have them as their best three teams. Who's the fourth? Is it Notre Dame? I think it could be Oregon if they ever play. Okay. I mean, right now I'd say either Georgia or Notre Dame. Gotcha. And Georgia, I mean, the, the problem they have, they got to go through Alabama again if they win the East, yeah. or Notre Dame, who, you know, the way I look at it, if Notre Dame can split with Clemson somehow, they might both get in. Mm. They might, but they have to play like an epic game next week, and then if they have a rematch in the ACC championship game, it has to be just as epic. And that's the same thing Georgia's dealing with with Alabama. I mean, is it these splits that could determine that fourth playoff spot? And those are, of the teams that have played, Georgia and Notre Dame are the four and five. I mean, they've got the AP pool's got it right. They, yep. We, we, the writers know stuff sometimes. Indeed. Out of time, Bill. Thank